Hello and welcome to the Just the Tumor of Us podcast, the podcast about living with and without cancer and navigating everyday life from two very different perspectives. I'm Ed, a student journalist. I'm Linda, a mother of five uh, with a full-time job and I have metastatic bowel cancer. So uh, we have a lovely guest on this week. Um, would you like to introduce yourself? My name is Anita and I'm a two-time survivor of breast cancer. And Linda's long-time friend. We, well. Me and Anita know each other for a good few years now. Yeah. And then we kind of met up recently. So yeah, I really appreciate you coming on and talking to us today. Happy to. Happy to. Yeah, uh, it's great actually because what we're trying to do is trying to get people to tell their stories and kind of get it out there. And a big thing is that not everyone's journey is the same. Um, so how has everyone's week been? How's your, how's your week been? Yeah, mine's still... I'm two weeks post chemo and I'm still struggling a little bit with the symptoms so my mouth's a bit still a bit sore and I'm still very tired and this week has been uh it's been a weird one actually um didn't really I can't really remember what I even did at the weekend to be honest it's just you're strange. going to Portown tomorrow aren't you yeah I've lost it I don't know what day of the week it is like waking Carl this morning going what day is it he's like I think it's Friday um heading off to Courtown maybe this evening but definitely tomorrow morning if not this evening Till Tuesday, um, funny. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave it with a funny story. Uh, I have put a bit of weight on, obviously, because I gave up smoking and I'm on chemo and had my bath this morning and went to put my tan on. I was like, oh, I'll try on these two swimsuits. I couldn't get one of them up my leg, right? And one, one of them I had a camel toe in it, a fucking camel toe. I was like, oh my god. We just laughed about it in the bedroom. Do you know just those funny things? But it was a size eight. I've always been a size eight. Wait, did you say swimsuit? Swimsuit. Are you planning on going swimming in... In the beach. Courtown? In Courtown. 100% I am, yeah. Well, you want to hope the weather's good. 17 degrees for the whole time I'm there. Otherwise, camel toe will be least your worries. <laughs> <laughs> no, it says it's 17 degrees for the whole time I'm there. And 17 degrees here as well. Oh, that's nice. Hopefully lovely, the weather like. is lovely, actually. It is meant to be really nice. So Lola wants to bring her swimsuit. So for that reason, I have to bring one because I'm the only other girl that's going. And uh, so I've settled on a bikini now which I'm not really confident with because of obviously my liver resection scars. Tried on this morning, it looks grand, but I couldn't believe when I put the bikini and the swimsuit on and it was a tongue swimsuit, you know? I'm 45, like I'm not 25 anymore. And I said to my husband, I have a camel toe in a bikini in a swimsuit. I got the bug. I'm kind of laughed about that, but I thought alternatives there, but it just, the weight gain, I'm trying to adjust to it. Um, but yeah, back to the week has has been okay. Like it's been a bit up and down. Um, and yeah, that, come back Tuesday and then a few days here to sort some stuff out. Good. Kind of get my head around a few things and then get back to work the week after. So yeah, it's nice to have a bit of time off. Great. And how has your week been, Anita? Yeah, it's been good. Um, it's been busy, and I've been looking forward to doing this. Um, and yeah, I've got a friend's wedding next Monday, so I'm looking forward that. to that. And yeah where's the wedding uh in monday in station house hotel in in Kilmessen in mead oh lovely yeah so i'm really looking forward to that weddings are always good crack though. yeah they are, are you yeah. staying overnight and stuff yeah i'm staying with Saturday, sunday night and monday night oh, so really night. going out partying yeah. oh, yeah. oh i love that yeah i love that the hair and the makeup and all of that yes yeah, so. oh lovely yeah. yeah this monday coming yeah Oh, wow. Oh, so annual leave for a few days. Yeah. Which is always nice, yeah, isn't it? Which is it? always like, lovely. Yeah. yeah. Make a short weekend. I hope now you've fucked a day off after you come home. Yeah. Because you do need yeah, yeah. that, I'm don't you? Tuesday. <laughs> I'm off Tuesday. Definitely. Sure. Definitely. Great. 
I always I keep thinking this Monday is the bank holiday, but it's, it's not. not. It's the it's Monday the after. Yeah. It's always like is the first Monday yeah. the bank holiday, but now it's after. I'm actually really happy about that because it turns out that we come back on Tuesday and the weather's meant to be really good next week, like up to twenty five degrees in Dublin. And then we've got the whole bank holiday weekend and the Monday off. So I feel like I'm on a real holiday. Yeah. Even though I ten months eight months off during treatment I only went back to work two months ago but I already feel like I need this time so yeah, I'm really looking nice, like, forward to it like, but those like, eight months were spent sitting around the house and kind of yeah. getting, getting with, to grips with treatment yeah, and, and stuff all of like that, that yeah. So. yeah and I've been back and work since the 30th of March so nearly two months but it's tiring when you've got cancer you know so the fact that now I'm off until the 6th of June and I know I'm going, I'm going back hitting the ground running because we're short staffed but I can deal with that once I have this time to process my life and move forward. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So I'm so excited that I got the bank holiday weekend off as well. Great. Great. It's the little things, you know. That's it. Um, but I'll shut up now, Ed. Yeah, so um, Anita, do you want to kind of just talk us through, usually what we do with guests is we get them to talk us through their journey with cancer and stuff like that and how, yeah. how it all started and yeah. their whole kind of journey through it. Yeah, so um, it was... June 2012 and I was having a shower getting ready for work and uh, during the shower I felt a lump in my left breast and it was kind of if I was to say it was like a clock it was at six o'clock um, the lump and I just thought to myself I must go and get this checked rang made an appointment with the doctor went to him and he said is yeah I don't think it's anything but we'll go and get you checked out so he referred me to all the way down the meeting I don't mind you asking sorry 44 okay 44 um so you kind of think to yourself is ah it's nothing but there was something about this that I just thought to myself it is something Mm -hmm. um and you don't know why you think it but you know you just think it and I went and I went to Vincent's, was referred there, and I had a mammogram. And you see people and they're leaving after the mammogram, and then you're saying, oh, I'm here a little bit too long. And I start, I, I suppose Linda myself would be very um, similar in terms of observations and things like that. So you start looking, and I could see in the glass that people were going and leaving, and then there were certain people being asked to stay, and I was one of them. So I was asked to stay, so my mum had come with me, and I remember going out to her and saying, I could be in trouble here. Um, and she was going, okay, okay, so we'll see what happens. So they gave me six biopsies. Six? And I, six biopsies. And I thought that the doctor was the worst doctor in the world because if, if my tumour was at six, she was at 12. And I was thinking, oh, she's reading it upside down. Never thinking in my head that she had found another tumour that the mammogram had identified another tumour. So there was two. So there was two tumours, okay. um, one at 12 and one at six and the rest. So um, then they brought in the consultant lady and she was saying, okay, will you come back next week and bring someone with you? And you kind of know then. Um, but what had turned out was when they did all the tests and everything, um, I had scatter cells through the breast. So it's like almost like glitter. So between the two lumps, I could have had a lumpectomy, but when you've got the scatter of cancer cells, you have to have a mastectomy. Mm. So we went, they'd all just grow. Like they'd all grow. Yeah. yeah. So they okay. want to obviously remove the, the, the yeah. cancer. Yeah. So um, it was the surgeon actually who ended up doing my um, mastectomy. Um, 
that told me. Um, my mum was with me and it was actually her birthday, which was just horrific for her. And um, we had been very much eyes wide open, herself and myself. Because I knew you don't do six biopsies for no reason. Um, and everybody was saying, no, you'll be fine, you'll be fine, you'll be fine. Because that's, that's all the people can say. And they told me, yeah, it was um, stage two, HER2 positive, estrogen positive breast cancer. And they said that they have a meeting on a Friday morning with all the oncologists, all the surgeons, all the, the, the multidisciplinary nurses. team. Yeah, multidisciplinary it? team, but that they agree the protocol. So for me, that was really reassuring because it wasn't just one doctor or one oncologist that was making it. It's panel. Yeah. So I can was, we just go back a little bit to yeah. the diagnosis? It's say it again. It's H. Hair two positive. Okay. Breast cancer. And it's oestrogen positive, so it's fed by oestrogen. Okay, okay, okay. Which seems to be a common theme with the women we've spoke to in relation. Yeah, because Anne Marie's was the same, and Debbie's was the same as oh, well. Yes. Yeah, but there is her t- so uh, there is other kind. Like there's so many different kinds of breast cancer. Exactly, it's not funny, yeah. you know, in terms of the amount of different um, diagnoses there can be. So he he said to me, "Is it's a definite um, mastectomy." But then you have to go through all your tests and all your markers and all the things. And that then dictates what your plan will be. Yeah, of course. So I remember feeling that feeling of being out of control. That suddenly somebody had gotten in my car of life and taken over the steering wheel. Yeah, of course. You know? And I was like, okay, how can I... I don't like feeling out of control. It's not something... You know, friends would tell you how bad a passenger I am. I'm much prefer to be the driver. <laughs> um, and uh, did you have the genetic testing? Yes, I did. Yeah. So I then decided, right, they're going to give me a medical plan, but I'm going to have my plan, and that very much kicked into place. So my parents would have done some fundraising for a cancer support centre in Bray, which is now called Purple House Cancer Support Centre. So that was my first phone call. Um, was I rang them and I arranged to come in and see them and obviously the telling of people um, I think it's sometimes it can be harder for the family um, and friends and colleagues and things like that because at least you have a plan whereas they're just seeing it all and they're seeing you change and they're seeing you know so it is very hard I have to say without the support of my family and my friends and my colleagues um, it just it just would have been such a lonely road mm-hmm. um, so I decided, right, they told me, you're going to have your mastectomy here in August. And I said, right, well, the things I'm going to do are make me feel better. So I arranged for Reiki. I arranged for massage, the massage I could have. I arranged for cancer counselling for myself. Um, and I started all of that. So while I had the medical plan, I also had my plan. And my plan also included things like fun, laughter. I overdosed on laughter. Mm. Um my friends I met them if I could go out I went out if they if I couldn't go out they came to me just having a normal life I I also made the decision that I had to come out of work because the type of work I do I couldn't take on other people's stuff as well as my own and I decided and for me that was a difficult decision but I decided right I have to because it is a critical illness and you don't know how you're going to react to everything and it is a long road um, so I then had my um, mastectomy and then um, I, around six, seven weeks later I then had started chemo um, and I had four rounds of chemo and the chemo is 
I have to say I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy um, it was extremely toxic I had allergic reactions um, my veins are shot um, I had to I got a pick line I got a clot from the pick line so I had to go on claxine the uh, blood thinner for a year and then I was doing all my um can we just talk about that for a minute yeah from my own experience as well so i have to, I have to hit the port i got a port i yeah i've had two ports so i had the port and within the within my as you can see where the wire goes yeah. right so within my collarbone i got a five centimeter clot yeah straight after my liver resection about a week and a half yeah so the clot was from the port but they refused to remove it they put me on Calexian. Yeah. So I rang up this morning and was like, can I have my port out? And she was like, no, well, you're not finished treatment. We're not going to take your port out. Yeah. So now I have to continuously inject. My stomach is bruised. Yeah. I have to continuously inject myself now until this fucking port comes out. Yeah. But like, I feel like as a human being, we should have a right to choice. If I don't want the port, I should be able to have it removed. Do you know that way? And I, I totally get it from the feeling point of view yeah. and everything. From the but they know best, don't they? They know best. Yeah. But the practical point of it is... Um, I got it exactly the same subclavian clot um, and then it was on the clock scene they didn't remove the clot but the thing about it is my port didn't come out until I was completely finished treatment it's the last thing to happen because they don't want to have you going under another procedure to have another port put in Um, Mm. you know yeah. getting it out getting it in isn't yeah nice. but if i if yeah. i i'm not going to really talk much about my situation yeah. but when i go back if it is that i'm not having weekend yeah weekend chemo and it's only yeah. going to be a couple of hours in hospital this is coming out they can do my arms, arms yeah. you know there's yeah. no point that's yeah. just there because i needed it for 48 hours yeah but if if that if my treat my treatment plan is going to change because they're going to change my chemo's not working anymore yeah. that's if that's only for two hours uh, every friday this is coming out yeah. Because if I don't want to be like on blood thinners and like every time like they take bloods off me, the oncologist took blood down my arm last week. The blood just drips all over my fucking mm. trousers. Because you have claxine. Because I have claxine, you know. Yeah. And sorry, I'm waffling on there, but that's just my feelings yeah. on it, you yeah. know. And and the thing about it is, is is that you and I both know that your feelings can change a hundred percent. Every hour, yeah. every mind, every day. Every minute. Every minute, Virgin. exactly. It's a complete head wrecker. Um So anyway, sorry for No, 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 but the claxine was the exact same for yeah. me and what I found, I had to have the port because my veins were shot and I had got a blood clot. So the only option for me for my chemo, which was every three weeks at that stage, was through the port. Yeah. Um, and then with the port comes complications because you get sheets So on the port. So I, every time I used to have to. So I was basically in hospital for up to 12 hours every time um, because of all the processes and all everything. So after the third um, chemo, I was having trouble with my nerve endings in my feet and my hands, so I had peripheral neuropathy. Mm-hmm. And after the fourth chemo, he said, right, that's it, we're, we're going to stop your chemo. He said, he felt that um, he had enough evidence to know that I was cured of the breast cancer, but he said the collateral damage going forward, and I was only 45 at that stage, he said the collateral damage wouldn't be good for me for my hands and my feet. And I was which tripping. Is common theme, which is a common bell, theme, where bowel cancer, fall fox. Yeah. You get the neuropathy. Like yeah. I, I can't X out things on my phone. Yeah. Oh, it's so you feel like a child. Yeah. She just can't do it. Like yeah. you know. Yeah, because the, it affects those nerve yeah, endings. Yeah. And that, you know, that does get better, uh, the further you are away from your your chemo yeah, kind of, of piece, you know. Yeah. And because we were talking earlier about your mouth and things, that will improve over over time. With that, um, I suppose then you get you kind of get 
dumped almost it's like a bad relationship and you just suddenly get ghosted because they're in your life and they're incessantly in your life and then you're it stops your medical and was it just like we're gonna stop the chemo we feel that you're free from cancer now yeah so off you go and live your life but i wanted the evidence but was there any aftercare like no because um that was 10 years ago and really um you know unfortunately cancer is such a big area yeah. of, of medicine it's a busy so area many, well. it's a busy area yeah. so it really is the next people are coming in so that's why i find anybody that contacts me to look for advice when they've got a diagnosis the first thing i always say is is to link with the cancer support center yeah. because they're there for you as a patient they're there for you um whatever stage you're at um they're there for you with the good times and the bad times and they're there for you for your family as well Um, and that was really important for me so I started using them as a way of just like having something in terms of fundraising for them but also for purpose doing training and things like that so I've done survive and thrive all of those kind of pieces I've heard about them yeah but sorry you were saying you wanted the evidence that it was gone I I wanted the evidence I've had it of interrupting you can tell me to shut up that's absolutely fine Ed will anyway Um, no, I, I, yeah, I just wanted the evidence that it was gone, and I suppose time is the thing that, you know, you just have to keep doing the tests, you have to keep doing the mammograms and things like that. So, um, I was, that, was that every three months or once? It was every six months. Okay. Well, no, sorry, my my consultant, my consultant oncologist and surgeon, I used to see them every six months, and then your mammogram is every year. Um, so I had five years where everything was back to normal. After fifty one weeks, I went back to work. I suppose how that affected, how cancer affects your lives yeah. is like, as you well know, it's like a huge big rock being thrown into the water and everybody gets splashed. Yeah. And people think it's about hair loss and it's about the tumour and it's about the treatment and the chemo and the radiotherapy, but it has really, really, really ripple effects. Ripple effects. And one of the things that I feel, and I know that you've talked about it as well, and I just want to support you in the whole piece about it is 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 that it, the unexpected like financial effect impact oh it God. is Massive. devastating yeah. to your career to your financial aspect for yeah. your livelihood for your prospects in the future yeah. all of those things and that for me was one of the biggest eye openers um did you oh, sorry did you go on a medication for the first five years yeah so i i was very lucky in that her septum had come along around three years beforehand and my oncologist and um, professor crown said that it was a game changer for breast cancer patients okay. that before survival rates would have been much lower and her septum came along and it changed everything so i was on her septum at the same time as having chemo but i was on her septum for a year okay and then he stopped then he started me on tamoxifen which is an estrogen inhibitor to shut down basically. So that then shuts down the ovaries and shuts down the estrogen, but it then puts you in the menopause. Oh, wish you give me that. Yeah, so um, I love it. <laughs> Be careful what you wish for. I know. The menopause yeah. is, is uh, you know, I know there there was a program on Monday night, um, and I'm on the Irish um, menopause group on Facebook as well, and. You know, it brings all kinds of things that things aren't available to you. So I can't go on HRT, mm. but there is progress with that now. Yeah. Even, you know, part of the program the other night focused on that. So it does infiltrate all parts of your life, your relationships, yeah. your confidence, you know, your your finances, as I was saying. Um, you know, you're talking about medical cards, you're talking about paying for stuff. 
talking about you need a medical card number to get a wig you know it's all of these things um, somebody once told me to watch out for the two week friends did you ever hear the two week friends so when you get your diagnosis and mm-hmm. everyone's around you and everyone wants to support you there's really good friends you have but within two weeks of your diagnosis they're gone they're gone like they they you don't hear from them you don't see them and i've experienced that a little bit you know yeah i can't think i have to say i i'm just blessed with my friends i have you know just an amazing circle of friends who were all there for me unconditionally but i know what you're talking about because they can't manage but there are people there that just want to hear your stop story yeah and then there are people who don't realize it but they then come and tell you about everybody that they know who's died from cancer. I know, which is, um, oh, I get that all the time. It's horrible, is, isn't it? It's hard, you know, yeah. it's, uh, but that, that's, they're blessed that that's the only time that t- cancer has touched their lives. Yeah. So they're not really realising it, you know. Um, but like people, I get the whole hair piece because women with breast cancer generally lose their hair. And yeah. we know that. We yeah. know that. Probably 90% of them, I don't have the research, but mm. that's what my gut would tell me. Mm. Whereas people with bell cancer don't generally lose their hair. Yeah on the chemo I've just been on now yeah. when, if I, when I go on a different one that might happen yeah and like it, it's like that's the first two things you don't look like someone with cancer and how you didn't lose your hair yeah and I'm like oh really I'm yeah. going to say this again yeah. like it's constant yeah and you know? you, you, you realise and you touch into patience that you never thought yeah. you had and for me losing my hair wasn't like it was difficult and my sister yeah. is my hairdresser and you know it wasn't easy for her and my mum to be with me when my sister took my hair for me because yeah. that was my choice I wanted to lose it before it started to fall out but I wanted to control over it yeah of so it wasn't easy but you know what I put on the wig and my mum and myself went out for dinner you know and you just have to yeah can I ask you a question yeah why is it that you need a medical card number to get a wig what's the whole process behind that because wigs you know you're blessed with lovely hair and mm. 1500 quid 1200 quid for yeah. fucking wig oh, like, yeah. I'd rather really just stay bald like. they're really expensive um, oh, so to it covers the cost. So it covers it, the cost. Oh, okay, okay. So, so it covers the whole cost. But it also covers the cost of mastectomy bras, swimsuit. We were talking about swimsuits earlier. Mastectomy yeah. swimsuits. Oh, everything okay. that your prosthesis. So, like, I have four prosthesis. So I have what's a prosthesis? A prosthesis Sorry. is a replacement breast. Okay. A form. It's called a form. So it um like you have to have the balance of your other breast. So that you look like you have two breasts. Of course, yeah. You also then have, you know, it sits in the bra, but most bras have a a sleeve for it. Yeah. I have two breast forms that are kind of like silicone, and then I've one that's like a bean bag, and then I've got one for swimming. Okay. So these are the things that you just you would never never think of that are. And you know what, as well, when as a younger woman. I used to see ladies older with this brown bandage from their shoulder to their arm. And it was like, you know when you have something wrong with your leg and you put one yeah. of those things on it to help. Do you know what I'm yeah. talking about? What are they called? Like the top Pressure bandage. Pressure yeah. bandage. Exactly what it looked like in brown. And it went from the shoulder always down to the elbow. And I never knew what it was. Lymphedema. Until I got breath, until I got cancer and now I know that it's part of it's the pink is it for the pick line? It can be, or but it can also be lymphedema. So with my so the first thing, the first test I had when I was diagnosed was they bring you in and you have a central node removal. So your central nodes are in your armpits okay. or down the side of your armpits. And that's how so they go in and they take that central node and a couple of other lymph nodes. And they then send them away for treat for um, analysis and biopsy, 
And that then tells them as to whether the cancer has gone into your lymph nodes or not. And that then dictates what treatment you're going to have. Whether you're going to have radiotherapy, whether you have to go in and have a um, a mastectomy, or whether you're also going to have to have your lymph node removal. So for women who have had, and men, because 5% of all breast cancer is male. Yeah, And I had somebody um, who was a wonderful um, guy that I went to college with and he died from breast cancer and we were all the worst off for the loss of him um but they do an, an, ax, an axial lymph node clearance in the underarm so those women will have pressure bandages because your arm swells without your okay. lymph nodes all right I get so you they know. have to then have lymphatic massage so which is trying to get all of the fluid from the lymph nodes because every day is a school day isn't it yeah. every day you learn something new you learn you never and i always say you know you you never stop learning you That's know it, you yeah. never stop learning what about your gene test how did they if you don't mind me asking not on the first system. time not the first time um we didn't they didn't feel that it was it necessary. was necessary yeah. um because there was no history um i think uh, my grandfather's brother on my mother's side we felt he had probably had cancer, but it was in the 50s, you know, to yeah, me when he back. died. So there was nobody. I didn't have any missing female relatives or anything on my family tree or anything. So I get on with life. I get back to work. Um, I spent the first two years of life after that trying to rejig my finances. Um, you know, all of that. And you're getting on with life, but you're also, I suppose you have that whole fear. reality and fear that you're living with. So I decided, kind of last minute for my 50th birthday, I decided to have a party. And I had a party and it was wonderful. And there was people there from, you know, that I worked with. There was people there that I used to work with. There was people there that I went to school with. There was my family and friends and everything. And I was so glad I did because two months later, um, I was in my office and I reached across the table to get a pen and I got a pain in my right breast. So this is in 2017. So I was five, five years and five months clear. Okay. Um, so people think the five years thing is a big thing, you know, and it is in, in one way, yeah. but in another way, you know, and I suppose the only way I can really sum up the next part of it is, is that all certainty is gone then when you have a second diagnosis. Mm-hmm. So what do you mean by the first time you think it's something that you you just have to get through and everybody battles yeah. like i hate this thing of oh somebody who passed away from cancer they mustn't have fought hard enough everybody fights it everybody oh, battles of course Every, we do like, everybody Jesus. puts their all nobody into wants it. to have nobody, cancer. it's not a choice yeah but everybody but outcomes are different for every person yeah. no two people are the same and somebody who has the same breast cancer as i have had might have a different outcome than i will have um, because of different complication factors and everything. Of course, yeah. So it's really important to be a part of your team that are treating you. You have to be part of it. Mm. I always used to say it's my it's my body, it's my plan. You know, you can do these things to me. And I remember my surgeon, um, the the empathy that man had. He sat down after doing my mastectomy in the in the hotel in the hospital room. It was like a hotel. Um, oh, in the hospital. This was the first time. This was the first time. Yeah. And he said, I'm really sorry I did that to you. 
and I couldn't understand and I said what are you talking about you took cancer away from me mm. I'm lying here cancer free but for him I was 44 I was a young woman you know he was thinking yeah. to myself about like, he was thinking about self esteem and self worth and identity and yeah, everything. for me I was just so relieved because cancer was gone from my body we just had to mop up the cells with chemo yeah. so how I mean is all certainty is gone is, is you think it's the only time you're going to go through it yeah course so you kind of think and you're five years past it so you think well this will never be darkened mm. my door again what did you do if you don't mind me asking when you reached over and got the pain what was it like your I top? immediately burst out crying really yeah just I because you felt a pain no or i knew did you feel a lump or was it no. just pain no just pain okay i immediately knew just like i said at the beginning where i knew the yeah. first time i knew and i was on my own in the room and um my boss came in and the empathy that she supported me with and she just said okay now what do we do and the first thing I did was before I rang anybody was I rang Purple House Cancer Support Centre that's the honest God truth I said just leave me alone for a few minutes while I like she looked after me and everything and then I said look I'm going to ring them because I knew I needed them again and I needed them in a different way um, this time and then you, I didn't say it to anybody. I said it to my partner at the time and he supported me and we went in and we got the biopsy again. And on your other breast? On my right breast. Yeah, okay. yeah on my right breast. So um, that was when I suppose uncertainty becomes very much a life partner. You know, you 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 don't know you don't know what's going to happen yeah. you don't know the outcomes you don't know or anything but over time then they come to you with their medical plan so again the panel met and they were very um clear that i was just really unlucky in that i got a her two negative breast cancer which was estrogen fed as well but it was two different types of breast cancer which is rare one is positive and one's negative one is her two positive and the other one is her two negative oh wow so there was one lump. Can I ask you what the difference is? Do you know? Di- yeah, yeah, no, the difference. The difference is, is that the complicating factors of the estrogen. It's about that, and it's about the different paths you have to go down. So, like I said, there's loads and loads of different kinds of breast of cancer. Course, yeah. It'll all depend on different things. So, the one thing that they did say to me this time was, "We want you to do the BRCA testing." So that was a definite. I was going to do the BRCA testing. So I said, "Right, okay." Um, and they also said is you've been on tamoxifen for five years it has protected you because you know, it also protects your bones and things like that as well you have to take you know you have to have DEXA scans and you have to take vitamin C and calcium and everything um, but it, it wasn't going to work for this one so they took me off tamoxifen <coughs> and immediately put me on an astrazole which is a different estrogen inhibitor so again it's still inhibiting the estrogen um, so I had the biopsies again this time um, when I went back in um, and I, I, I found this out before I told anybody else because again it was much smaller this time for me it was much less public I was much more private about it yeah. um, and I found out that I was going to have a lumpectomy and, but then they said you, I was going to have 8 rounds of chemo and then 20 rounds of radiotherapy that I didn't have to have radiotherapy the first time, but for the second time, because it's HER2 negative, I do. Okay. So, um, yeah, I got ready for the 
the the whole roller coaster again. And to me, you asked Ed, you know, about my journey. For me, I always look at it like, you know, Roland Keating says life's a roller coaster. You just got to ride it. Cancer is like somebody takes you on the worst roller coaster in the world, straps mm-hmm. you into the front seat, and just takes off. Yeah. And that's what it's like. It is, yeah. It's. It's not, it's not. And sometimes if we're lucky we can get off and sometimes we yeah. can't. That's or sometimes it slows down yeah. and then it speeds back up again. Yeah. And that's, that's yeah. it, yeah. Yeah, so that's the way I look at it. At it. You know. Um, and the Barakaji and what was, did you have? That came towards the end. So they they decided is, is that I was going to have the lumpectomy before Christmas. And at the time, my brother and his wife had had their first child um, in Austria and they had given me the honour of being his godmother and I literally was making it to Austria to his christening. I didn't care what was happening, we were going and we were going in the height of the winter and the snow and the whole thing but I was going and I got a seroma so um, it's like a reaction your body does when you've had a wound and it fills up um, and it, you know I'd had stitches and things like that but it literally then you get an infection and I was going in daily to get dressings and we were working myself the whichever the consultant was on in the Maple Centre in, in Vincent's Private and the nurse and we literally were seeing each other every day and I was saying I'm going, I'm going, I'm going and he was saying I'm not sure, I'm not sure, I'm not sure but you know yourself, you yeah. set yourself little goals and you're going to achieve yeah. them because it's really important to be normal and to have normal mm. at the same time. And I got to Austria and I got to be his godmother and you know, all my nieces and nephews are blessings in, in, in so many different ways and they're just amazing kids and keep you going, they, they keep you going and they have you know, my eldest niece, she was amazing and she laughed when she saw my wig and you know, she I remember one of the most beautiful things that she said Nana, Nana, come here. And she she was standing feeling my hair where my you know, where I had cut my hair and I was getting ready for chemo. And she said to my mum, Doesn't Anita's head feel exactly like a kiwi fruit? <laughs> Which is just the, the wonder the kids have and the, you know, and that's beautiful, yeah. you know. So you get support in so many different ways from so many different people, but ultimately really um, Can I ask you don't mind me asking though, because I'm just in my head. A lumpectomy are you still left with some of your boobs yes yeah okay so you're how do they fill what's gone like so my lumpectomy i don't need to um okay. some women may have a golf ball size um you know or a ping pong ball size kind of you know but when they sew the two edges together yeah. it then just leaves a scar so okay. i don't need to fill that but some women could be left with a half a mastectomy as a lumpectomy okay so then you can get um, forms that are for that so okay. they have thought of everything in terms of all of that yeah. you know um so the the support it's about all of those um allied supports mm. whether it's your um wigs or your um hair forms or your uh, breast forms or you know things that you know you need um just to look like everybody else does yeah of you course, know yeah. um i suppose the other thing about cancer is people think you know it's it's about the hair loss and everything for me hair loss 
it didn't bother me losing yeah, my hair. Yeah, it's irrelevant to me. I couldn't give a shit if I lose what, my hair or not. Yeah, I found that it was losing my eyelashes and my eyebrows was more difficult for me, which I didn't expect at all because I just yeah. thought, well, it's like... But it's it gives definition to your face. Um, so it's different things that affect different people in different ways. But the other thing about people is, is people think that the biggest loss is, is your hair your hair but for no. me it was my loss of femininity my loss of your identity identity you know all of and also then what it does to your body because you're put into the menopause and all of that kind of stuff because i crack jokes all the time about like how much i fart but like it's so like i was i was thinking about this the day before yesterday when i was in the office right i went to work for years right did normal daily things didn't always have the greatest bowel mm. had ibs years ago but now I've been diagnosed with bowel cancer and the fucking smell of me, like how I have friends and family. <laughs> People run. Like I've had friends hang out with the car and, I, and like it's, it's easy to laugh about, but there's times when I think, fuck, like I was in the zoo and everyone was holding their nose in the toilet. So I decided I'd hold mine to fit in. Yeah. It's horrible. And I asked an oncologist a couple of months ago, now it'll settle down now because the chemo stopped, yeah. right? But I said to an oncologist a couple of months ago, why do I smell so bad? Because... Like, it's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. And he was like, bits of your tumour fall away. Mm-hmm. And this can be what the smell is. But at the end it's of the so day... It's so embarrassing, though. Chemo is toxic. My it kids is. run when I fart. Yeah. Have you seen them? Poor Mason, like, is gone. Mm-hmm. He can't even deal with it. Yeah. You know, it really kills me husband yeah. in the bed a few yeah. times. And that might sound like, oh, that's nothing really. But it is it a side is. effect. Because if you're in a room with a group of people and you're trying not to fart, mm. I've often had to like walk away mm. and come back once yeah. I've finished farting yeah. because I don't want to embarrass myself. Yeah. Or I don't want them to go, you know, you know. Have you ever, have you ever uh, farted but coughed to cover it up? Been like Once or twice on the bus <laughs> I have. I've done that on the bus. I've done it on the bus. But like even when I do it on the bus, I... And I'm trying to run away from yourself because it's fucking vile. Or when you fart and you think it's going to be silent, but it's not. All the amount of time. Yeah, you have your earphones in and you don't even realise and then you see people I've been to that traffic lights and people have just been like, <laughs> because I've just farted. Like, because I would years, fart. Because like, I'd well. slag Carl, because men, like, um, Carl, you know those TikToks where you go, it's a big long fart. That's Carl. But I've got like that. It's just <laughs> so, I know it's like, it, it, it can be funny. Yeah. But it becomes a daily thing. It you know, becomes a daily know? thing, and it also affects you yeah. in a way, as you say, is you're mortified about yeah. it. You know, you do, you wouldn't. But the thing is, is that I think what's really underestimated is the toxicity. Like if we think about it, mm. the nurses who give us the oncology chemo, they're wearing masks, they're wearing gloves, yeah. even before COVID. Yeah, they're all suited up. And, you know, they take every precaution for it not to touch your skin or anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? goes in. Yes, it's doing you good, but it's also wiping out all the healthy cells, yeah. which is why your mouth is sore, which is why it affects. Yeah. And I know. definitely feel this. My last round two weeks ago, my immune system must be low because I'm not bouncing back. I'm yeah. very tired. But yeah. yeah, and I'm very tired that I'm waking up at half six in the morning. But it's also your first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth seventh are all catching up yeah. on you for, for the eighth yeah so it is like you're at a minus oh you know yeah, and it course. just does have a, such an impact i again i would have gone through the the um cancer support center received all those supports and still do and in actual fact i moved location uh, from where i'm living and only last week i joined a different cancer support center because i felt you know it's still it's such a valuable thing yeah. for me to get support about 
um, and also any way that I can help in relation to helping other people. Yeah, cool. It it just makes you feel as though you know I have people who ring me who say they've got a recent diagnosis or whatever and it is about the practical it's not just about the medical it's not just about the the, the loss of hair it's, just about it's such a wide variety yeah. of things that impacts you know? i remember when i was diagnosed and i didn't really get much support from the cancer society they did a chemo awareness course with me and i never heard from them again or mm. but there was i don't know whether it was arc or it was marie keem foundation or one of them but they actually have a course on sexual your sexual, what's the word Identity. I'm looking for? Your sex life after yeah. cancer, you know, when yeah. you're on chemo and you're losing your libido. Yeah. And, you know, and I was like, that's the furthest thing from our fucking mind, yeah. sex. We don't care, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. But they do think of everything, like, yeah. they, do they think, think of everything. everything. Yeah. Which, and, and, it, and that's the thing, it, it splashes on everything. Um, it is, it well, isn't something that we still haven't seen the full effect because no. you know somebody would as we were just saying in the break there it is such a learning thing you you hear you hear things that you'd never thought of yeah. and i've certainly learned an awful lot from listening to the podcast you know that i just hadn't thought about yeah. Um, yeah. something that strikes me actually that you were saying there is so when you had your um breast cancer the two times it would have been pre-covid yeah would have yeah so so you have a very different experience of oh, chemotherapy to, to yourself because yeah. of obviously restrictions and yes. stuff in place and that doesn't necessarily mean to say that it, yours was harder or yours was easier no, no. well you were allowed to have someone but, come sit with you with yeah, a family which, member and which see, made, never experienced that. which made a difference yeah. for me because 100%. i was 12 hours yeah you yeah. know and inevitably i ended up in a hospital bed because i had an infection or i had to have something yeah. done and i was staying after hours and stuff so yeah i was very lucky um my mum walked, you know, beside me all the yeah. time for all of the I was never hospitalised in my first six rounds. And then I had my liver resection, which mm-hmm. we know now my liver is perfect. And then I had this six rounds and I ended up in hospital three times. Yeah. And not once did I, there's this ward called the Donal Hollywood Ward, which is for cancer patients. Mm. And I have had to go through A&E and be treated like a leper. Mm. But I have never been on a cancer ward. I've always been just put into a normal ward with other people. Mm. And you're thinking about all the infections. And mm. it's just a minefield. Like, it is. There's so much to it. Like What was the ward you were put on? The Willie Wilde The Willie Wilde ward. Do you know who I that is? That. I've been in it twice. William Wilde's, but they call it the Willie Wilde's. Do you know who he is? Bad for the willies. <laughs> well, who? Oscar Wilde's brother. Oh, is he? Yeah, oh, I really? do. Yeah, I was looking it up last night because I it, I don't know why it came to me last night. Maybe it was because so we were doing this So why didn't they call today. it the Oscar Wilde? Why is it Willie? What did he do? Oh, I'm not sure. He was he was like I think he was a playwright like his brother. Or he was an author like his brother. And um, I have to say I like the Willie Wilde's word. I like the Willie. No, but I like the Willie Wilde's word. The guys down there are great. They really are. You know, and they have their hands full down there. Um, but they're a great bunch. But I'm not saying anything about. Them, I'm just saying I've never experienced any of the oncology wards and maybe I should be glad because mm. I think a lot of sick people you know and when I end up in hospital I'm like I'm not sick I fucking am sick but I mm. never mm. acknowledge or accept it mm. I just get on with it mm. but the question I wanted to ask you yeah, what was your last experience like so you finished your radiation and then because I believe you no, know, I have no knowledge of not much of my knowledge of radiation because I haven't had it yet so I believe you see you you you're referred to a dear, completely different doctor for your for your so, radiation. Yeah. And so it's separate to oncology. It's a radiation oncologist. Okay. And they all work together, and he's part of the panel as well that we're making the decisions. Multidisciplinary. Well. Yeah. yeah. So um, it's a radiation oncologist, and they explain it. 
the thing about radiation is, is I don't have any tattoos up to when I had breast cancer and radio th- radiotherapy. So I've got three tattoos now, which are just like tiny dots. Yeah. So you go in for, um, I can't remember the name of it, but it's induction basically. And they show you the machine and all of that kind of stuff, but they also have to mark you up. So what they do is, is they consider the... I'm just laughing because my tumour is in five centimetres in my yeah. rectum. I'm like, where the fuck are they going to be marking me up? Like, what are you poking X, something up my box? <laughs> you bend over there, love, now we just shove this in there. They'll definitely get some treasure. <laughs> I'll just fart. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I didn't no, mean to. No, 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 just no, like no. when I think about how they're going to mark me up when it's up my bum, I don't know. So yeah, so they, they, they line you up basically with to make sure that every time you're in the same position. So what they do is, is they put three little dots, one in the middle of the breast, one on the left uh, the side and one on the right side. And then that lines up with the beams from the radiation That's right. and they have time. to get it there, don't they? So yeah. you do have a permanent mark from the you know, radiothera- radiotherapy. So um, then you, the machine mo- you're on the bed and the machine moves around you. Um, basically and it beams um, into the tumour or the cells or that are left um, and it, it just it takes like 10-12 minutes um, you know you're longer in the waiting room and the changing room than you are in the machine it's like when you go for a CT scan and they have to put a needle in your arm yeah. to inject you to with you the, the contrast, contrast yeah. while you're in it it takes more time to do that than it does in the feckin machine you're Absolutely. in the machine for about 2 minutes yeah, cre- the, yeah. the amount of time and like I wonder is the people in the background trying to walk on quicker ways to get these things done mm. you know because there is a lot of time wasted yeah. on putting needles in and, yeah. you know research I suppose is a huge yeah. part in especially in relation to cancer and I know that breast cancer is one of the ones that's you know more, more high profile and that's mm-hmm. had a lot of very high profile um, and I think the only reason why I've learned so much about it is because my clinic's on a Friday and so is breast so breast and bowel are the same day yeah. and you just meet people and you learn so yeah. much you know it's 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 mind-blown it is it is you feel as though you know you're doing a PhD in your own disease body. really in your own body you become an expert in cancer mm. don't you become an expert yeah. in cancer and in yeah. treatment and in um, you can rattle off your medications you can rattle off where you're at what you've had yeah. done and all of that kind of stuff and it's really important to do that because I even learned my hospital number so that I've started to learn yeah, mine yeah, yeah. And I'm becoming more clear because they always ask it and I'm like oh I haven't got it beside me but yeah. I've started to now trying to yeah. learn it Yeah. so your name your date of birth and your hospital number are the three things that are most important because every bag of chemo has your number your date of birth and your yeah. number hmm. and your name on it so you're constantly so it's those kind of things of advocating for yourself about the small things and the big things yeah. you know um so who finally said to you you're cancer free again and off you go was oncology or they, they don't really they don't really say it because when you've had a second diagnosis you know as far what the most i've got out of my oncologist is as far as i'm concerned you know your cancer your, your, your treatment has been successful Okay. You know, cancer-free is something that they're more likely not to say, yeah, mm. because of the nature of cancer. You know, um, and also we don't know about the cells that are growing in other areas. Yeah. You know, that might have been missed or whatever. And I spoke about this, Anita, on a previous podcast that when I met Dr. Keneally in the Manor Hospital, who was an amazing liver, my my liver's perfect. Mm. I can't believe it. Like six tumors he removed, and I always remember I got more information out of him than I ever did out of my oncologist. And I remember him saying to me, there's tiny, my, we're under no, these were his words, we're under no illusion in there that there are other cancers in your body. 
but they're so microscopically small mm. that we wouldn't even be able to find them with technology like mm. so that's why people get a second cancer because one little fucker's missed like mm. obviously he mm. didn't tell me one little mm. fucker's missed that's me mm. but i cracked a joke with him and he wasn't he doesn't take to jokes lightly so i have to remember what was the joke <laughs> oh i don't i was he said to me that one in a hundred i one in a hundred people wouldn't make it to the liver resection okay. right and i went i looked at my friend and i went friend ammo was with me and i went no, my luck, that'll be me. And I was laughing. And he goes, this isn't a time for funny, for funny jokes. <laughs> Shut me down. Talk about serious. Because it was a serious conversation. Mm, I was going under a yeah. massive surgery. Like, yeah. so, but I use humour to help me. And so do I. And he fucking mm. shot me down. I'm not still laughing. And my friend was going. I was like... And that's probably not funny for him, considering he's the one doing the surgery. Yeah, yeah and yeah. I could be yeah. the one. And... In the end, I did get sepsis and a blood clot, so, yeah. you know, I could have done it, yeah. you know, yeah. so I get it now, but yeah. I just thought it was being really funny. Oh, no, my look, that'd be me. Can I just go back and ask you, Anita, what are kind of the effects of having the radiation? So you said you had 20... 20 sessions, 20 Monday sessions. to Friday, uh, for four weeks. Okay, and what are the effects of that? So I know, obviously, chemo brings its own side effects and stuff like that. Does radiation have similar side effects yeah. or different? So because you've got chemo brain because of the toxicity of the, of, the, of the treatment itself. So one of the things is you get... And I remember we went, myself, my mother and my partner, um, we went to um, a, a cancer conference um, for Irish Cancer Support, or Irish Cancer Society, and I remember saying, okay, there's six speakers I want to hear. There's three of us, so we go to two each. And I remember uh, the one I was really interested in was brain fog because I had every code and every password and everything to do with my email, bank account, everything written down because I thought I was going to lose my memory. No, but I, I keep forgetting passwords and having like my, my, the GoFundMe one for the ARC. I have to keep changing that every time I try to go into it. Because I can't remember the question. Forget it. And you do have brain frog because it's, it's like, it's like brain pregnancy fog. brain. Yeah, it is like brain. that baby brain. But it's, it's kind of like even more. It's, it's I, I find it upsetting. Yeah, and it I is find upsetting. It, I do find it upsetting. You're, you're disconnecting from who you are. And you're so thinking you're getting dementia. Yeah, so you, exactly. Yeah. That's, it, it feels like that. But with the, the radiotherapy and on top of that, because it's only three weeks from the finish of one to the start of the other, mm. then you're having. You're, you're, tired you're and it's tiredness that you can't describe mm. it's tiredness to a level like i always think to myself is is well i didn't have kids but when i see my friends and family going through you know those early months with the baby and you're up all night and everything like that i can only think it must resemble that in some way mm. and you also have you know things it's are like your body's not working. like a constant hangover it's it, yeah a tired and, hangover yeah, but it's feeling. a weariness that comes into your bones it's like literally i could feel it when i started with the chemo and then i could feel it with the radiotherapy the other thing is is things like and i'm just looking at your mouthwash and things like that all of these are drugs as well yeah. so all of they are going in your body to try and help you but it's all drugs it's all toxic yeah so it's really important they don't you know they, they've never given me any kind of vitamins or ideas yeah or. i did t speak to a dietitian in terms of that kind of stuff and one of the biggest things that she said to me was is i don't drink tea or coffee so it's really important for me to get my water in it's really yeah. important for me to keep fluids up mm, yeah because that also helps with the toxicity mm. so in terms of what you asked in relation to the radiotherapy there's accumulative fatigue there's skin problems um and then 
it depends on what part of your body's been treated you're going to have other things you know um for me i got a mild rash and uh you know you can't use certain products mm. so you can't use deodorant you can't use shower gels you can't use things like that um because that's obviously then affecting your skin so, so do you just smell them clean. do you like no no yeah i mean for me i was having twice daily showers anyway because no. of the hot flushes and stuff and things like that but you can get national natural natural products oh yeah um and natural things that are researched Mm -hmm. you know i could just Um, think about about 20 people sitting in a waiting room all stinking of sweat imagine that'd be the least your worries to be honest (laughs) i mean there is a whole industry when your smell senses are really strong (laughs) from the from the treatment there is yeah and the nausea and things like that i mean i have to say is i never once got sick with chemo not once did i vomit you're on so many steroids and things and they it's not like it used to be there's so much research and and refinement of what works for people yeah. and it's crazy because when anytime like i always anytime i think of cancer and treatment i always 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 think of how it's portrayed on films and tv and Which is it's so always bad. hair loss puking like, down the toilet puking down the toilet and like that pale kind of yeah I mean, like, you do look different. You do like, but I mean, people wouldn't have known. But like, people are saying to me, I, I shouted a bit there. I got out of the car yesterday, very, very upset. Right, I'd come straight from the hospital to here, and I was crying in the car, crying in the hospital, left the hospital, crying, crying in the fucking car. And three of my neighbours were coming out, like they were all coming the same direction, and so it ended up a big fucking load of us outside the gate crying. There, were, there was a reason I was going to say that. What you just said there. Something about how it's portrayed. But how you're looking. How they were portrayed. probably and, saying. And they were saying to me, you look great. And I was like, everyone keeps telling me I look great. Yeah. Maybe maybe cancer's good for me. I don't fucking yeah. know. Do you know what I mean? But it's but, not like you're going to carry around a picture of the tumours. Mm. Do you know yeah, what I mean? No, they, I you know what I mean? I the thing about it is people don't know what to say. And people kind of, you said to me earlier is, is you learn through seeing it and learning yeah, it. I'm a visual learner. A visual learner. I think that's the other thing about cancer is, is you may not, I mean, when I had my makeup on and my wig on and everything or my hat on or whatever, people might just thought, oh, she's wearing a hat because it's cold. But the thing about it is they're not seeing you when you're, you know, up at three o'clock in the morning trying to find a cold place in the pillow or, uh-huh. yeah. do you know what I mean? Diarrhea, yeah. like three o'clock, four o'clock, yeah, five o'clock. Exactly. Like, oh, so it's all of those yeah. things. So you do put your best front, yeah. front forward. I mean, you know, people say, oh, you're living your best life or you're not. You're dealing with the, the hardest and toughest thing. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. You know, I would and have the to say. And the fear the of the yeah. is like ridiculous yeah. isn't it my family had a whole thing that we we always used to say about life and we say it's surreal and it's shite you know that's that's yeah. the two things but i have to say and i really mean this um cancer isn't the worst thing that's happened to me in my life even though i've had it twice losing my father was far harder mm. far more difficult to get through um because i suppose is it's final you know yeah, yeah. Um, it, yeah. so in that way in the way I had a treatment plan and I knew what I had to do and I had my own plan and so, as soon as something's not working the oncology yeah, are in there they're, they're, they're changing yeah, it like exactly. you're not left no. although I do feel like I've been left a bit but anyway that's for another day um, you're, they're very good to, to like I just wish when you're doing chemo that you don't have to finish the chemo before to do tests to yeah. go oh that yeah. chemo your, your body wasn't responding yeah. anymore yeah yeah but why are we waiting until the end then why can't yeah. we do tests in the middle mm. and like do the reoccurring piece mm. you know but when were you like when were you so what am i trying to say well, how long are you cancer free now when was that day that 
So I have not five years yet from the second time. So okay. the second time I was diagnosed in November 2017 and I had my treatment up to July 2018 and I went back to work in August 2018. So I'm back to work since August 2018. Nearly four um, years. So nearly four years. So I'm not the five years yet. Okay. And I still see my oncologist and my surgeon um, and I still have yearly mammograms. Okay. Um, uh, anybody who's had breast cancer doesn't go into the breast check um, system, system yeah, because they, can, they can't deal with the, with what you've had. Yeah. You go into your, your normal. So I go to the Maple Centre in, in uh, St Vincent's Private and, and have it there. And yeah, it's 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 brutal. It's, it's but you've done it twice, like, I mean, I'd say second time around, you were like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, what is life? Yeah, well, you know, you kind of feel as though, you know, if it wasn't for bad luck, you'd have no luck at all. No, I know. And then you're, you're probably an expert on it. You yeah. know, you're nearly, yeah. you're nearly yeah. double, you're nearly double the well, expert the thing now. is, is the way I look at it is, is I'm, I'm the expert in me. I'm not the expert in cancer. And mm-hmm. that's the thing about yeah. it is, is I'm the expert, expert in my cancer and my body. But that's different to yours, which is different to the next person's. So I think the thing that I would say to anybody who comes to me when they've been diagnosed is, is you know, people look for the reasons. You can't change it if you've got yeah. a diagnosis. That's it. One, one of my friends was recently diagnosed and she said, but you know, Anita, she says, I, I did smoke for those eight years, you know, and I said, I've never put a cigarette in my mouth. And I've I said that to my, my oncologist yesterday, but I stopped smoking and he was like, this is nothing to do with it. You know, it's nothing to do with it. it, it it's, a, it's outcomes for different reasons. Um, you know, and I think that that's the thing is, they're doing it, they're, they're, they're waiting, bec- uh, and they can't give you those tests because they're the ones that are experts, yeah. and they know that this is the best thing, and you have to trust that they know yeah. what's best. Yeah, and it, it's interesting because you say about this person didn't smoke or that person didn't yeah. do this and like you could be the healthiest person you could be eating healthy you could be a vegan running marathon I tell you yeah. one thing I have a friend who's and a vegan just... and she's a beautiful girl I love her Vanessa and I know she won't mind me mentioning her name so healthy vegan eats well does running goes walking does all of that stuff and she got really a really bad dose of COVID when I'm dribbling <laughs> a really bad dose of COVID when her daughter got it like mm. it, it impacted her and she was so healthy I got COVID and I was asymptomatic and I wouldn't be yeah. the healthiest. I wouldn't go yeah. run and I wouldn't go walk and I wouldn't be yeah. vegan. And so it, it, it is, it's, it's what's that Murphy's law? Yeah. Really? yeah, it's just the cards you get dealt in life. And yeah. like everyone thinks that, oh, that person got lucky, but yeah, they might've got lucky that time around, but they might not next time. And mm. that's just kind of life. Life is all about yeah. chances and, you know, and I just, challenges. I just yeah. wonder, will there ever be a cure for cancer, you know? Like, is it always going to be that one disease that takes people away, you know? I, I, you All know, the money that goes into research mm. and, like, we're not nowhere near getting... They're further along than they used to be, mm. um, which is... For, a, I think they're further along with more chemos, but, yeah, like, curing-wise, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Well, they're, they're, I suppose they, they understand more about what it does and how it changes the cells and the things like BRCA. Um, I, sorry, just to go back to that, I did get BRCA tested and those three months were the longest three months of my life waiting for the results. You wait three months oh, wow. for the results because they go to the States. Okay, um, wow. And I have to say, for my BRCA testing, um, all, when I spoke to the consultant who does it, I actually, he explained to me is that if I was positive for BRCA, I'd have to have the ovaries and the womb and the, and the, bre- the other breast removed. Um, 
but then he said to me all my sisters would be and my brother's two boys as well that mm. all of everybody my nieces yeah, and and my sisters family, yeah. and my nephews it could be affected so I remember for those three weeks I, three months should I say I was consumed by what that could do for my whole circle yeah. cousins everybody yeah and uh, it was only when I was walking upstairs to take the call my phone was ringing and I knew it was him and I thought oh god I could be really in trouble here yeah um and thankfully I don't have the BRCA gene test so I've had BRCA1 and BRCA2 and I don't have both but actually in March when I saw Professor Crown he said to me that even with that they found out more so there's a subsection of BRCA that they're going to test me for now Um, now again it might be nothing I mightn't have it but you know there's nothing you can do about the reasons why yeah what you can do and what you are in control of is the here and the now that's it and it's so important to stay in the here and the now and that was one of the things that i tried to do was it's really hard but it's really important and that's why i was saying to you earlier you've got your days in Town. enjoy it with the kids enjoy you know and try and every mile that you go or kilometer that you go try and leave it behind you yeah you know i used to do it with if i was flying somewhere i just leave it behind me on Mm. on the runway oh yeah see you later see you later it's behind you my dad i'm estranged from my dad have been for 20 odd years right don't have a relationship don't have a relationship with his family they disowned us a long long time ago but i know that a lot of them um I know that a lot of them have had cancer and have died, passed away, the uncles and the aunties and all of that. And I met my oncologist, asked obviously a history and I said, you know, I know that they've had kidneys, different kinds. And I had all that testing done, the genetic testing, but it turned to get, it came back. Now, I actually never discussed this with Professor Gallagher, but it was another oncologist said to me and my husband was there with me that day, that actually what came back in my bloods was that I had a crass mutation. Okay. Now I haven't really, I'm not very knowledgeable about it because I hate Googling anything. Don't Google. But it's something to do with your pro, my own protein in my body and has caused my cancer. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But now I haven't read, like I'd read a book on it, but I won't. If I Google it, I'll be dead yeah. and in five minutes, yeah. you know? I, I remember one oncology nurse um, that when I was diagnosed the first time, um, after the, the consultant left the room she said to me if there's one thing I'm going to ask you and it's 10 years ago do you know what I mean so there's 10 years more information on the internet if you think about yeah. it but it's 10 years ago and she said to me if there's one thing I'm going to ask you to do is not Google because she said you will have yourself in a very 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 difficult position and she says stress and anxiety um, it would be natural to be diagnosed with them and things like that but cancer itself causes so much stress and anxiety yeah. don't do it to yourself mm. yeah, she said it would be like going out to the front door and I thought this was a brilliant analogy right? it would be like going out to the front door and pa- getting the first person that passes and saying what do you know about breast cancer and taking that information you don't, you go to the experts you go yeah. to the you know, the people who have done the work and, and know it inside out and back to front Yeah. so that's you know that's kind of and I actually said to my oncologist yesterday because sometimes I don't think before I talk right which gets me into trouble but I said to him because it was a tough meeting and I said to him I know people come in here on a Friday that I've met and have told me that if you tell them to stand on their head they'll stand on their head I'm not that person Mm. I need the information I need you to tell me Mm. you know and whether I think he respected that you know Mm. he told me anyway what I wanted to know but I'm not just going to sit back I'm going to question everything you say why are you doing why do you feel the need for this to be and then this morning I double checked with my oncology nurse because 
I was so caught off guard yesterday that then this morning she was able to give me the information. So I'm a, a, some, but sometimes it's a detriment to myself. No wonder I'm crying all the time. Fuck's <laughs> sake. Yeah, but it's good to know. It's good to. I think it's really good to be educated on your own illness, though. Like, but, I, you I, know, the other thing I would say to you is, is you have to do you. Yeah. And you're, if cancer doesn't make you authentic, if you know nothing else will. It is a great leveler, and you know what I mean. Yeah. At the end of the day, if you can't say to him. How I learn is if you give me the information, yeah. I process it, and then I make decisions. Yeah. Somebody else might go in there and say, I want to know nothing. I don't want to know anything. You know, don't tell me. Yeah. And some families would be, you know, years yeah. ago, you used to be even I the patient said to him yesterday yeah. at times. I said to him yesterday, we had a two-month break from November to December, October to December, and my cancer markers went from 4.9 to um, 15. Mm. Now, if we're having a two-month break now, they're going to start rising and he looked at me straight never, I never had ever seen him before he looked at me he just turned and he said your cancer markers are already rising mm. and that's how he looked at me and I was just sitting there going okay mm. so why are we stopping fucking chemo if they're rising you know and again it goes back to this you have to realise that they've done all the work they know what they're yeah. doing and they're they obviously there are reasons why they're give, making these decisions and mm. I know well, the oncology like, nurse this morning said you went straight in from a liver, a massive surgery, straight into chemo, hmm. and you haven't had a break. But I have because I two months from the surgery, I, two months from the surgery to the chemo. But you didn't, because you, didn't. you were recovering from the surgery because for you two had months. Sepsis yeah. Yeah. No, I know. I know. Yeah. Like I know, it's 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 hard to sit back and do no let them make the decisions. But do you know the way? I've been doing a lot of breath work. Yeah. you know and, and going with your breath and staying in the moment and mindfulness and things like that and one of the things I've got the fucking patience for that <laughs> well, sometimes I need to be doing in the middle of the night when I can't sleep I need, I need to be to doing do it, it. Yeah. but uh, you know one of the things that I used to do was think to myself is, is I'm having a really long breath at the moment like your your body needs this Yeah. your body needs to get off the toxicity yeah. you know for uh, to, so that you can heal so that they can find out more and yeah. help you more so that's the thing. I know I sound like positive penny, but I'm not being positive penny. Yeah. What I'm saying is, is this you have to look at is, is, is time for your body to heal mm. so that they can then find yeah. out more about, you know. Oh, I know. So the thing about it is, is you have that to look forward to this weekend. I have the wedding. I hope you have something nice. You have well, dinner tonight. You're going to Paris, Paris. Paris next week. This yeah. 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 proposal. Oh. Will Robbie propose? Oh, well, I'll tell him now. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, be for, we'll be looking for these proposal not uh, stories. Not ready for marriage yet. Are you going to Disneyland? Or? No, so, like, you see, the thing is, like, Disneyland's a whole day thing, and it's not actually in. Everyone assumes it's near Paris City, but it's about an hour out. I know. Yeah. And so, like, we'd have to get up early, and, like, the tickets are actually not that expensive. They're about eighty quid. Yeah. But I think I don't know if that's just entrance to the park. I don't know if you have to pay onto all the rides and then there's queues. No, you, you don't have to pay on the rides once you. Oh, okay, but it's just all the queues. And, and stuff like, like it's not as if you're a Disney bothered. princess. Like no, I would I'm not. love to. T- I remember really quickly taking Charlie and Keaton and myself and Carol to Disneyland Paris when they were little. We only had two kids. The other three weren't even mm. thought of. And I'll never forget Lola because we didn't have holidays when we were kids. I never forget. Sorry, Charlie. We saw the big castle, but I was more of a six-year-old than she was, yeah. and I can't wait to be able to do that with Lola, like because she's seven now, yeah. And I think she would, we would. I'm like a big child. I it just, is magical. I, I fall in love with it all. It is it magical. Is. Like, but uh, yeah, like I don't know. I'm I'm not mad into Disney, and I'm more like I love museums so I yeah, like we we'll did all of that Lyon. as well we yeah. went over um, but I wasn't really I wasn't into it I'd have been in the, 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 
the Disneyland piece. Oh yeah, you see, time. I'm the complete opposite. Like, and one of my big things is I love to read. So anywhere I go, America, I went to uh, London, uh, Germany, anywhere I go, I will always look for the best bookshops in the city, mm-hmm. and I will go to. And Robbie hates it. Like Robbie will be like can we go now he'll spend 10 minutes in a bookshop whereas I can spend an hour two hours in a book in just one bookshop I could spend in it because I just like to go through the shelves and look at books and read bits of them and like I'm just like that but he's just not so like go find in a balance you, you see, know that, that reminds holidays. me of like going into fucking TK Maxx and trying to find a pair of shoes in, 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 a, in a mess oh no I hate clothes shop like bookshop but like a bookshop would be the same you're, you're talking my heaven going to a bookshop for yeah, two hours you see, like, that is that's what I love like perfect. chapters in town like there's a bookshop yeah. in Dublin yeah. City chapters it closed down and it's back open again yeah. but Robbie always used to give out to me because I'd be like okay I want to go to chapters and he's like right that's an hour gone of our time in town and it would be because I'd stay in the store for an and hour and I was saying to Ed before we came on I don't know whether we were on when I said it I started writing a book um, a couple of months ago actually and I got halfway through it did I tell you that it was a, I, don't know, I got halfway through it and it's up in my bedroom drawer I haven't typed it and after yesterday yesterday evening I was thinking do you know what I need to get that book finished I need to try get it published and I need to make some money for my kids mm. like so I suppose my focus going forward one day a week I think I already said this on on the podcast did I or did I not I don't know no, I think you said it to us um yeah so my one day a week now is going to be spent just doing because like I've got the, the hardest part was writing about my my first 20 years of my life I've mm. done that mm. so now it's about writing about the others mm. like um throwing some jokes in there while I'm at it you know and so, I have no doubt that you'll finish it yeah it'll be a brilliant read I'd like to finish it before Christmas and then try find and that's what exactly what it was that I wanted you to help me with as a journalist like help me figure out how I go to publishers how to yeah. publishers and stuff that's because I knew there was something I wanted to help with it wasn't letters it was publishers but yeah, we can talk about that off the podcast. She does this anyway. on the podcast all the time. She any idea she wants, she'll put it on the podcast, and then this goes out, and I'm held accountable because <laughs> I can't say no to her now. And she'll guilt trip you because. Yeah. She, but you, you know what? Exactly. You won't even mind. You will fucking help. You won't. You? Uh, yeah, no, I will, and it'll be interesting for me as well because that's what I, I like. That's my future anyway. That I want is to publish books. But anyway, that's not any um, kids' books. No, not kids' books. Just fiction books. Porn. Just, <laughs> God, Linda. Um, so anyway, back to what we were talking about. So I need to. How are you now in terms of your your uh, life and everything going on? How yeah. is everything? Um, yeah, it's it's good. Um, you know, it's it's really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's good. I'm working away and I'm living life. I try and make sure I have some nice experiences as well. Um, as the everyday normal, I realise how lucky I am. I'm blessed with my outcomes and I'm blessed with my family and my friends and my colleagues. Um, and I'm, I, I know I'm lucky. You know, at the end of the day, I'm very lucky. Yeah, and it's nice, it's, it's nice to kind of have that outlook on life that you you are lucky and you kind of it makes you kind of value it a bit more I, absolutely I'd imagine. you appreciate it I, the one thing I wanted to make sure about was that as much positivity as possible I could you know positive positivity is a frame of mind um, but it helps when you're going through the really rough times um, it kind of gets you through things that you didn't think you'd get through mm. um, so for me um, 
I'm, I used to be an, a pessimist. I'm more of a pessimist now. Yeah. So I do have still some pessimism, but I'm much more of an optimist now. Yeah, and uh, Linda won't mind me saying this, but something that I actually try to... I try to be the voice of reason for Linda, because Linda is very... Linda doesn't have much patience, and she goes to the worst-case scenario and stuff like that, and I try to be the voice... And again, it comes back down to, what do I say? How do I say these things? And stuff like that. And I just try to be like, look we'll deal with what we can now and we'll evaluate everything else as it comes because really taking everything at once that's not how you solve a problem you kind of i'm trying to get her to have a bit more patience with things like even the petition that we have going mm-hmm. to try and have the screening age lowered i tell her that the signatures have gone up all the time mm. but she's like only by that much or only by that much which it, I, is understandable because it's frustrating but also it's still growing and like it's all about kind of taking the time and you know evaluating things as they come rather than taking everything all at once mm. um and linda linda will know that i like i would be quite a positive person like i not even that i'm positive i'm just a realist like i'm very like this is the situation we're dealt this is how we're going to deal with mm. it and we just kind of have to do what we can because mm-hmm. if, we, if there's something we can't do we can't do it so yeah. just take it as it comes yeah i can't remember what comic it was um said is is how do you eat an elephant and it's one bite at a time yeah you know what i mean that's all you have to do isn't the problem if you try and deal with it all or if you try and focus on it all you're you're, you're just going to be on a minus um so dealing with one part of it or dealing with today mm. or dealing with the now in the moment and then getting rid of the rest of it until you're in a space to deal with more Um, i totally understand you know she's impatient I really understand that because you want to know the answers you want the solutions you want it now because you want it for everybody else as well as for yourself Mm. Um, you know so it's it's a a really um, important part of focusing on yourself um, while not feeling selfish yeah Um, so yeah we'll just finish up Linda's kind of left us now she had to go and do something but uh I just want to say thanks again, Anita, for coming on and My telling pleasure. your story because it's, again, as I said, everyone's story is different and it's interesting to hear other people's perspectives, especially for someone like myself that I don't have a diagnosis, thankfully, and but it's it's very like eye-opening and like Linda would have been the first person in my family that was diagnosed with cancer and um, that it would have directly affected me um, and I spend a lot of time with Linda and it's interesting to see everyone else's stories and how everyone deals with it because I just couldn't imagine how I would, but... I wouldn't know unless I was put in that situation, you know. Um, but again, thanks very much for coming on. Thanks for having me. It's no problem at all. And um, again, guys, you can uh, follow all our socials uh, out there. And please, please, please share the petition and uh, get signing because it's really important. It would change a lot of lives if we could get the age lowered in Ireland. Um, yeah, and you can follow Linda's updates um, on her journey um, when, you ha- when you have hope on uh, Instagram. Um, thanks again Anita and uh, thanks for listening guys